Amen. He has risen. If you're like most people, when you're in an airport, you probably don't pay much attention to the announcements that are going overhead over the intercom or the PA system. Most of it's just kind of stuff you already know. But a few years ago in LAX in Los Angeles, an announcement was made over the intercom that suddenly got everybody's attention. I don't know if the story's true or how much is embellished, but the story goes like this, that the flight was oversold and there was people on standby and anybody that was on standby that was going to get in had already gotten on the plane and an actress from Hollywood was upset and she was at the counter and she was getting audibly louder and visibly more demonstrative in her actions as she started to explain why she should be on that plane even though it was oversold. Nobody was really paying attention, but those that were knew that there was a line about to happen. And as the woman got louder and louder, finally she said it. It's that line that you knew was probably coming. It's the line that sums up our entitlement. And she yelled, don't you know who I am? And without missing a beat the person at the counter must have been quick-witted, picked up the intercom and said, attention passengers, we need your help in identifying someone. There is a woman here at the counter who has forgotten who she is. If you can help in any way, please come to the counter. Everybody got their heads up and started attending to that really quickly. Now that for sure is an announcement that would get your eyes and ears, but there are some announcements in our lives, good and bad, that don't just catch our ears for a moment. They actually catch our breath in a good way, an answered prayer, a change of life, somebody calling and saying, this happened, and it's such good news that it catches your breath. It's wild comeback, maybe for your favorite sports team. But then also in a bad way, unexpected tragedy, a ring of sirens here in Canadian in a dry drought that we're going through, the phone ringing in the middle of the night. There are moments where we gasp and our hearts either stop or they race. And surely you've experienced that. And surely that is what a woman named Mary was experiencing the first Easter Sunday. It must have been the emotional and mental response of the first disciple ever to witness the empty tomb, Mary Magdalene. Gospel of John tells us in chapter 20 that she is the one to go to the tomb early on Sunday morning before there's even light. It's still dark. I was told as a kid that nothing good happens after the sun goes down, right? Well, something good does happen while it's still dark. The greatest light to ever shine shone out of a tomb, out of the darkest of places. But Mary goes there and she's confused. She takes in a confusing scene. What she thought she was going to do was to further prepare the body. What she finds is a stone rolled away. The stone that was there to seal on Friday has now been moved on Sunday. So in her confusion, 
She runs back. She tells the disciples, Peter and John have a foot race. They too find it empty, but they don't stick around. But Mary, at this announcement, at this news, at this realization, revelation, whatever you want to call it, she stays. Still unable to catch her breath. We pick up the passage in John 20 as she heaves and sobs. And John says, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? And she said, they have taken my Lord away and I don't know where they have put him. What a phrase. They have taken my Lord. It's about four or five months ago before the new year. I was reading John. I'd read it before. I'd been in John 20 before, just like you have, or maybe you've read it. And all of a sudden that phrase struck me. Maybe it was post-pandemic or just the time of my life or whatever it was, but that phrase jumped out and hit my ears like it had never been. They have taken my Lord. And in that moment, I wrote down Easter sermon. They have taken my Lord. And it hit me because of an awareness of how often we can join Mary in that confusion, in that doubt, in seasons of difficulty, in moments where we feel like we have lost our connection with God himself. He's been taken away. Maybe this morning you feel that. Maybe you feel that gasp of breath. Maybe you can feel her confusion and exhaustion, the lament that Mary is going through that says, where have you gone? Maybe it's in moments where your heart has grown cold or maybe you've just lost touch. Maybe you've lost the presence of God that you used to have at a younger time in your life. What is the who? What is the what? Who or what is your they that has taken the presence of God from you? Maybe it's been a death like Mary is feeling, the death of her Lord. Maybe it's been a string of unfortunate and difficult circumstances. Maybe your mistakes have piled up. Maybe it's been a slow fade or a drift away from God. Maybe it's been a string of bad decisions in your marriage. Could just be the uncertainty, the dryness of our country and the lack of rain, the world, the war in Ukraine, bad habits, unrecognized pain. It is good for us to examine as Dean encouraged us to say, what is my, or who is my they? What has allowed or been allowed in your life that has taken you away from Jesus? We need to enter into this story this morning to say, how am I like Mary? Because Mary is, Mary is experiencing 
the hangover of Friday's crucifixion and Saturday's joyless reality, but she doesn't know that there is something new coming. A news that changes all news, an announcement that changes everything. And Mary takes it in and John continues and says that this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus The man asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? I've taken my Lord. Who are you looking for? And then look at this detail, thinking he was a gardener. She said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. I don't know if this is a logical mistake. I don't know if it's an inattentive mistake of Mary wrongly identifying her risen savior. But I would like to entertain the idea that it's no mistake at all. Maybe it's a holy mistake. Maybe it's a biblical mistake. Because biblically, it is no mistake at all that Jesus, buried in a garden, is risen and identified as a gardener. Remember how creation starts? Remember how John starts his gospel in the beginning, right? Was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, right? All things were made through him and by him. Jesus is a gardener. And what did he first create? What did him and the Father and the Holy Spirit first create? A garden. So maybe this is no mistake at all. Jesus is buried in a garden and when he rises anew a new creation he's reborn into or from a garden so maybe mary's making no mistake remember what he said in john 12 speaking of his death his disciples are confused and he says very truly i tell you he's looking at his disciples he says unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies It only remains a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. In other words, if something dies and is born again, it produces a garden. So Jesus is mistaken by Mary to be a gardener. And maybe it's no mistake at all because Jesus is not a banker making loans of grace and forgiveness for us to repay. Jesus isn't a lawyer just getting us out of a legal jam. He's not a ticket scalper selling us rides to heaven. In fact, I think Mary is on to something. Jesus is the gardener, capital T, capital G. He's the gardener. Because just as the father planted seeds of creation in Genesis 1 and 2, and we corrupted it by our sin, Jesus on the cross defeated sin and is now planting seeds of resurrection in lives of his followers from here till he comes back. He's the gardener who meets us at our level, getting down into the dirt, working with us and within us to create newness. And church, Easter is that celebration of good news. This is why Easter matters. What Easter is for us, it's a sermon that you knew was coming. It's no surprise what I'm preaching on this morning, but it is a truth that when the world feels too difficult for us to bear, when we have caught our breath at the next news of announcement of pain and death, when the rains don't arrive 
And those things pile up and our loneliness is amplified and the tragedies come in succession. It's in those seasons that we remember Jesus is a gardener. And what he's done is he's planted the Holy Spirit within us. And he's not going to fail. He's got a green thumb that cannot fail. Easter is the celebration that what Jesus has started, he will finish. What he has begun, he will grow. Yes, it is painful for us who like instant things, who like and would like God to be at work microwaving TV dinners, but what Jesus is doing is he is at work creating nutritious garden life out of us. And it takes time. One seed of the kingdom at a time, transformation. And you don't have to look far to know that, do you? You can look around the room and see transformed lives in here, different lives. You didn't have to look any further than Tuesday night up here at the building than to witness that firsthand. A baptism Tuesday night that we had was supposed to be a small affair. <laughs> Cody Johnson, if you don't know her, had only asked a few people to come. By the time we had begun the baptism, there was about 100 people here. Sorry about that, Cody, but I think you kind of let that happen. If you guys don't know Cody, I'm going to tell her story for just a minute, what I know of her story. But if you don't know her, she's a Canadian high school's foreign exchange student, and she's probably spent way too much time. She's from Scotland, and she's probably spent way too much time having Texas people go, say, say something in your accent. Well, she's like... Y'all say, say something in y'all's accent, right? <laughs> right? We've been doing that to her. But Cody, Cody's story is amazing. And I want you to hear it this morning because she didn't grow up going to church. In fact, I'm not sure she even knew any Christians in Scotland. So her experience with the witchers and her experience here coming to worship with us and going to youth activities and going to Bible study on Thursdays with Olivia and the girls... Uh, I guess a, a light way to say it has been completely strange, weird. Her first time to go to Encounter LE, the, the fall retreat, she walked into a room full of 700, five to 700 teenagers, and they were singing, said, I wasn't going to tell anybody, which is the worst. That song has terrible grammar. Nobody says, said, I wasn't going to tell anybody. But anyway, but she walked in and she turned to Barry and she goes, is this a cult? <laughs> strange, weird. But in her life, you've seen the handiwork of a gardener. Consider this. Canadian was not Cody's first choice to come to. The first two families that she got placed with to come over for foreign exchange living, they didn't work out. They fell apart. And then maybe the hand of God was at work, but she got, she got placed with David and Dusty Witcher, who are residents of the metropolis of Higgins, Texas, right, of all places. And then by some decision, maybe the gardener was at work. They had, just as she arrived at their house, had begun seeking a new church home and getting reconnected with the Lord. And Cody would tell you that initially she struggled here in Canadian. It was tough, hard to fit into school, hard to fit in in a rural set setting. It was so different. God was at work in the soil. 
is that she got connected here and, and really connected with Olivia on her Bible study and started to ask questions on Thursday mornings. It was through that that she got more comfortable and open to Scripture, started asking questions, and then started to discover who God is. But then, get this. If you don't believe Jesus is a gardener who plants seeds and gives growth in places that are so unlikely, even places like Higgins and Canadian, Cody is from Livingston West, I hope I say this right, Livingston West Lothian, Scotland. She gave me the head nod, good. Which I know nothing about. Most of us know nothing about. But there was one person in this church family who knew a whole lot about Livingston, West Lothian, Scotland. Our beloved sister in Christ, Kelly English, that is where she began mission work, was in that city. Don't tell me that's a coincidence. And so now, because of the work of the gardener, and Cody being connected with Kelly and Cody being connected with the Witchers and Cody being connected with our youth group and Olivia and Barry and all these people. Here's what happened Tuesday night. <laughs> well, I know that's a video. It was really cool. <laughs> Is that not playing, Brandon? I didn't take a screenshot. Okay, well, it was a baptism. <laughs> and y'all can see that. It was a baptism. She came to Christ. It was incredible. But it was the work of the gardener. It was the work of the one who plants seeds and connects people and brings people over from across the Atlantic Ocean. And she knows nobody, but yet she's going to get to go home in June and she's going to all of a sudden know a lot of other new people in Scotland because Kelly knows Christians in Scotland. And now somebody who knew no Christians when they got here now is going to get to go home. And she's going to take up the work of the gardener and keep throwing seeds as well. Isn't that amazing? See, there's something in Scripture that's just so good. And it continues in John 20, verse 16. It says here in John 20, verse 16a, that as Mary is confused and she's still weeping, Jesus says to her, Mary. And it's in that moment that she gets it. And I don't know if she thought of this, but man, I think John wants you to think of this. I think if you had heard John for the first time and maybe you listened to it all in one sitting, I don't know if Mary would have remembered these words, but maybe we're supposed to think, maybe Mary remembered these words because when Jesus says Mary, she had to think of John 10. She had to think of listening to him speak in John 10, 3, when he says, the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. And leads them out. See, the gardener of Jesus is not just a gardener who throws out seeds. He's also a gardener who gets his hands dirty. He gets in the soil. He works and he knows us by name. He knows us by name. 
It's an incredible truth about Jesus that he called Cody by name, that he calls each of us by name. And that's what Easter is about. Easter is about we serve a savior who not only defeats death, but who has put seeds of transformation in us so we can join him in proclaiming to the world that he has defeated death. And I wanna just close this morning with this. I promise you this morning, I promise you this morning that your life is not so messed up that Jesus can't grow something new in you. I promise you. See the best gardens? Have a compost pile. (laughs) Amen? They do. The best gardens have a compost pile, and that's good news. We don't come in here this morning saying, I gotta clean up my garden. I gotta clean up my life. We come in here this morning and say, because of resurrection, there's only one answer. And I bring my compost pile to Jesus, and he goes, that's fine, I'll grow something new out of it. I can grow something beautiful out of it. I can take a bad situation and I can make it into a beautiful garden because the seeds of the God's kingdom are at work today and always will. The gardener calls you by name this morning. If you need anything, we are here for you. Our elders will be in the back if you have special prayers, but just celebrate that today. If nothing else, celebrate that Easter is a celebration of new life. And let him do that new work and new life in you. Let's stand together and sing.